and welcome to episode 58 of the Talk Witchcraft podcast. In this episode, Maggie and I will be talking about how to be authentic to yourself when creating and casting spells. You're listening to Talk Witchcraft. On this podcast, we talk about witchcraft as a lifestyle and discover how to merge magic into your daily life. Every week, we'll demystify witchy topics like tarot, astrology, crystals, herbs, and more as you develop your personal brand of magic and create the life of your dreams. We're your hosts, the Mystic Sisters, Erica and Maggie. In this segment of the show, we choose a tarot card for the week and we look for moments that relate to this card in our daily lives. For this episode, we chose the Six of Swords. The theme of this card is intellectual achievement. A couple of things come to mind when I see this image in the writer Waite Smith version of this card. My first thought is that this is a family with a mother and child sitting and a father standing. Or it could be that the standing figure is hired to paddle the boat. The position of the sword seems very protective because remember, these are weapons. They form a cage around the front of the boat. So this makes me think that they are worried for their safety on this voyage. Additionally, the water at the base of the card behind the boat is rippled and rough, while the water in front of the boat is completely smooth, which makes me think that they are moving away from a rough patch and heading into smooth waters. So to me, all of these factors give the card a sense of urgency that they're leaving when no one can see, they have no bags, they're kind of sneaking away, and they have this protective cage around them and clothing that covers their bodies and faces. Do you have a story about a time where you were in a, in a situation where you were uncomfortable, it was painful, maybe there was some sort of violation, and then you took actions to remove yourself from that situation? I mean, yes. Who hasn't? Who amongst us has not <laughs> felt... <laughs> I'm thinking of one of my previous jobs. There were situations outside of my control, which made the work environment pretty toxic. It all stemmed around money. The owner was feeling strain in her own life, not able to pay herself the way she was used to being paid. And so she was taking that out through her business and through her employees. And when I asked her about it, I got kind of gaslit, to be perfectly honest. Um, I was called an entitled millennial and that the only, I only work because I want to get paid, which is like, yes. <laughs> um, and that day I spent the afternoon in between clients looking for new jobs. I didn't want to be in that situation anymore. Similarly, I had a job that I felt like I was taken advantage of. They would call me for the opening shift, which was started at, you know, we'd have to mm -hmm. be there at six or 530, I think, because the restaurant opened at six. So to open the restaurant, you had to have time before it opened. Mm -hmm. And there was many, many times where they would call me at five in the morning and ask if I could come in because the person who was supposed to open said they weren't going to come in. And it was just not respectful of my time. You know, like if I had mm -hmm. stayed up the night before, that's pretty early to wake up if you're if you're planning on it. You know, it's not that early because you can go to bed early. But if you aren't planning on waking up that early, 
then you probably aren't going to bed early enough to wake up. <laughs> so anyway, it was right. just not respectful of me or my time. And, um, and that's when I started looking for alternative ways to make money because I didn't like being treated that way. Didn't want to live my life that way. And, and additionally, it was, you know, it wasn't just that kind of stuff. It was like not letting me take vacation time, even if I got my shifts covered, scheduling me when I've requested time off, all sorts of things like that. And then not acknowledging like the good things that I was doing. So it just always felt like all punishment and no praise. <laughs> mm-hmm, um, sure. And I just wanted something that was more intellectually stimulating as well. So I found a different job, which was mumbles and things. And now we're here. (laughs) (laughs) When it comes to spell work, many people are tempted to use pre-made spells from books or the internet. While this can be a great way to get started, it's important to remember that spell work is incredibly personal. If you want your spells to be effective, you need to make them your own. In this episode, we'll discuss tips for being authentic in your spell work and crafting spells that resonate with you. So let's start with a definition. That's just common in this world of talk witchcraft. Uh, What does it mean to be authentic? So authenticity is about figuring out who you are, accepting all parts of yourself, and transforming the parts of yourself that cause harm to yourself or to others. And to be authentic, remember to listen to your intuition. Now, some people aren't sure what their intuition sounds like. So if that's you, your intuition is going to tell you things that need to be in your conscious awareness. And it's going to be very insistent about making sure that you hear it. So you will keep getting nudges about it until you acknowledge that thing. And if you keep hearing the same thing over again, or if you keep however you hear your intuition or see your intuition or however you experience it, then you'll know that it's your intuition if it's kind of repeating with these nudges until you acknowledge it. Additionally, when you are aware of what you need or want, be sure to advocate for yourself about these desires. Verbalize your discomfort when you find yourself in a situation that doesn't feel authentic and is actively depleting your energy. And don't make choices out of convenience or the need to please others. Make choices that are aligned with your spirit and authentic self. Now, the enemy of authenticity is fear. So fear of rejection, fear of failure, fear of loneliness, the fear of missing out. And so it can be challenging to be openly authentic, but when you do, your confidence soars and your personal energy grows stronger. So that's part of why it's super important to be authentic with your spell work and with your witchcraft practice, because it's only going to grow your personal energy, which is what fuels your magic. The need for external validation is strong. It's really nice to receive praise from other people that you've done a good job, that you're doing it correctly, that you're valid and wonderful and beautiful. All of those things are true. It's also really, really important to know those things internally and have that intrinsic value within yourself. And here I am calling the kettle black. I struggle with that so much. I want the approval and respect from others deep within my soul. With the internal versus external, I think sometimes it can be helpful to see, you know, to have the praise from other people. And that can show you who you are authentically when you see what other people, you know, love about you. And that can help you to grow that internal validation. 
So they can work together. But to be authentic, like you said, it is really important to not depend on the external validation to um, Mm -hmm. use it as as part of depending on your internal validation. So how can you be more authentic in your spell work? Well, we will tell you all about it after a word from our sponsor. A pentacle is used for many purposes in a witchcraft practice, so it's important to find one that is made from the highest quality materials. Here at Pretty Pentacles, we strive to provide that for witches of all experience levels. Position your pentacle so that the top wing is away from you to banish things and toward you to attract things. Set tools like your wand, chalice, and athame on your pentacle to charge them. Additionally, use your pentacle to charge materials like crystals and herbs. The uses for your pretty pentacles are practically limitless. Now, if you've been wondering what the difference between a pentagram and a pentacle is, let's hear from our expert witch. A pentagram is a five-pointed star. A pentacle is a five-pointed star enclosed in a circle. Pretty Pentacles has a patented formula for taking the penta from pentagram and the coal from circle to make a perfect pentacle every time. So pick one up today. Now back to your regularly scheduled programming. (laughs) Did you like my witch voice? (laughs) I did. (laughs) The first thing to talk about is why is it important to be authentic in your spell work? There are a few reasons why it's important to be authentic in your spell work. First of all, using someone else's spell takes your power away from you. By creating your own spells or adjusting someone else's to suit your practice, you're putting your energy into them and making them your own. This will make them more effective and powerful. It's really easy to just look up a spell on the internet that somebody else has done for you that you could feel is a recipe for how to do it correctly and you're not going to fail. But it's not meaningful. It's not personal to yourself and it's not something that you have created, thus creating a more powerful spell. So while, I mean, I do it, I do it myself. That's like my go-to place. I'm like, I need a spell for this internet, help me. But then I take what I find and I change it to suit the materials that I have, the situation that I'm in. You know, I change the words, I change the the rhyme to make it for me and not just something I found on the internet. Yes, because not only does that, you know, save money, you're not having to buy new materials for a spell that you found online or in a book, you're using what you already have. So it also is, you know, resourceful, it's more eco-friendly. See our episode last week about trash magic. Exactly. But you're also putting your own creativity into that by thinking things through. Why is this included? What do I have that I can replace that with? So another reason to be authentic in your spell work is that it helps you connect to your intuition. When you create a spell that's personal to you, the things that you believe in, the way that you practice witchcraft, who you are, you are able to sense more about whether they're working because you have put into it that intention about how you know it's working how you know it's not working and that also allows you to kind of tweak and adjust your spells which can make them more effective as well because you can redo the spell based on what you learned and lastly being authentic in spell work helps to build a stronger connection with the divine 
when you are working with your personal spells, you'll be able to feel the energy of the universe flow through them. This makes spell work even more powerful and builds a stronger connection between you and the divine. Whatever the divine means to you, whether that's your higher self or God or a specific God or goddess, We've talked about this before, but I just want to clarify in case you haven't listened to every episode we've ever made. (laughs) Which, why haven't you listened to every episode we've ever made? (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) So now we want to talk about how to write a spell that resonates with you, that is authentic to your personal power. And there is an episode on this earlier in the podcast before Erica joined, but we're going to add to it with her knowledge and experience here. When you write your own spells, they will be more authentic and effective. When you use a spell that someone else has written, you're using the author's power. So here are a few tips for writing your own spells. I also want to say about like using a pre-written spell. There's this idea that there's like a thought form around that spell. So like if a bunch of different people are using the exact same spell, it's creating a groove in the universe that is like this spell works this way so there is something to that but then there's also the personal power that we're talking about in this episode of creating that connection to the spell through your own knowledge and your own experience and your own beliefs there's a space for both things and we're just like talking about this one side today there's nothing wrong with using a spell that's from somebody else as like a template or as a way to structure your own thoughts as you're delving into this new practice you don't have to be a magical spell working genius right off the bat. Don't recreate the will. We'll just say that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so one template that I like to use when I'm writing my spells is a six-step formula. Like I mentioned, there's an episode on this. And you start with the spell's purpose. And we'll go into each of these more in detail. But you start with the purpose of the spell. Then you correspond with the spirit realm. You decide on the magical timing. You determine the spell type and the tools you will need, collect the necessary materials, and then you write the words. So what is all of that about? Now, keep in mind that this is just a template. We are not saying that this is how you have to write a spell, but it's really helpful to write a spell if you have a good place to start. So step one is getting to the heart of the situation. So this is an important step because you have to know what you want the problem that you're trying to solve, what will help you move toward your goal in order to cast a spell for that purpose. You have to know what the purpose is before you can cast a spell. (laughs) It can be anything. It can be attracting money. It can be banishing a toxic person. It could be good luck or bad luck. Finding a new job, adopting a new cat, (laughs) all sorts of things. Or a kid. Or a kid. Whatever you your heart's desire is, what why are you writing the spell? What is the reason for going through all of this? And part of that first step that I like to do before I go through the effort of like creating a spell for it and putting my personal energy into the spell is to brainstorm whether there are any mundane actions that I haven't taken yet. If, for example, I was looking to get a new job and I hadn't applied for any jobs this would be a good place to start. But at the same time, using a spell to help you have the motivation to apply for the jobs or or things like that, this just gives you a good way to balance the mundane and the magic in your life as you're 
pursuing those goals. The next step is to find the correspondences with the spirit realm. Consider the entities that you want to call upon, you know, think about as above, so below, what energies, what deities, what spirits, what fey creatures are you asking to help you in the spell work? If you don't subscribe to that line of thinking that there is not that you don't believe that there's like a spirit realm or something to correspond with or maybe you think about like your own consciousness as the spirit realm or that's like a correlation some sort of external force that you want to invite into the spell that you want to correspond with to talk to to help you for the purpose that you determined and then you're going to figure out the timing of the spell because that can also add to the spell Each of the days of the week are associated with the planets. They correspond with the planets. The days of the month, um, different phases of the moon, those have different purposes that they're associated with. Different times of the year, the seasonal things that we've talked about on this podcast, the zodiac seasons and the natural solar seasons, they all can help you figure out when you want to cast the spell. And it's important to keep these things in mind. But again, you know, think with the flexibility If you can't get around to doing a money spell on a Monday, it's going to be okay. If you don't want to stay up till midnight to tap into the witching hour, it's okay. (laughs) Like think about those, the times and the when that spell will be most potent and embody what the feelings of that time are when you're working your spell. And after you have determined the purpose, the correspondences and the timing, you will want to decide what kind of spell you're actually going to cast because there are lots of different spell types, you know, candle spells, jar spells, charm bags, enchantments, talismans, all sorts of different things. And as Erica said before, it's kind of about like looking at what you have. If you have a bunch of drawstring bags, you might make a charm bag. If you have a ton of candles, you might do a candle spell. And so figuring out what kind of spell you're going to do is going to tell you what kind of tools you need. So they kind of go together. When you decide which spell you're doing and what tools are needed, make sure that all of the tools are available, they're created for you, that you've cleansed them and that you've charged them and that they are ready to start this new spell and they don't have any energy from the other spells that you've done in the past. And then you're going to select materials that you're going to use in your spell work. And the materials are things like tangible materials, crystals and herbs. So any sort of rock, stone, crystal, etc., and herbs, all different plant matter. And also intangible things like symbols and colors. So this is just kind of how I have classified materials for this template. But that's that's what you're choosing in this section of the template is things that you can experience in the physical realm to represent the below part of as above so below make sure that you're choosing them based on the purpose the correspondence and the timing that you've done in previous steps with that money spell that you're doing you're picking green candles you're picking herbs and things that are related to drawing money to you. You're picking crystals that are real. So everything kind of flows together and you've got this nice theme building. And at the very end, you are going to write the words. I think that 
the the writing of it, people think it has to be like a rhyming or like perfectly written thing but basically you're just describing what you want when you write these words making sure that you're really focused on what you want and that you're precise and very clear about what you want so writing a statement that describes what you want very clearly is all you're doing clarity is key i like to write my intentions as positive affirmations so i'm doing it in the first person i'm doing it in the present tense and i'm using positive uplifting words and you can use rhymes if you like to use rhymes. I do enjoy a good rhyme. It helps me to remember the words that I want to say and not need to read them. But again, you don't have to do rhyming. And it's also good to have some sort of closing phrase like, as I will it, so it will be, or amen, or so mote it be. Or just the end. Yeah, <laughs> anything that just <laughs> indicates that the spell is complete. And so that can be helpful with the rhyming because you could say love and positivity flows to me as I will it. So it will be, you know, it's easy to rhyme with the word be. <laughs> <laughs> now, here's just a few more tips for crafting your own spells. You might want to start with something simple. If you're new to doing spells, then using just one or two tools and materials in the spell can simplify things so that you're not overwhelmed with a ton of different things like use a candle in a color that matches your intention or meditate with a crystal that corresponds with your purpose keeping it really simple instead of you know having a candle and a ring of crystals around it and sprinkle the herbs on it like that can be really beautiful and and everything I'm not saying that you shouldn't ever do that but just to get started when you're writing your spells, it's helpful to just keep it simple, limit your tools and materials that you're using. It's also important to be specific, you know, very clearly say what you want to achieve. Don't just say, I want money, specify how much money you want and what you want to do with it to help you increase those chances of the spell working. And that helps you get into the feeling of it as well, because if you know exactly what you're going to do with it, then you can kind of visualize yourself spending the money that way, writing the check for your mortgage or for your rent or buying the shoes that you have been eyeing. You can visualize that and that increases the power of the spell too because you have clearly stated what you want and how you're going to be when you have it. And then finally, you'll want to use positive language. So instead of saying something like, I don't want to be sick, you can say, I want to be healthy and happy. So this helps you to attract the beneficial energy of being healthy and happy and removes that focus from what's unhelpful to you, which is being sick. The last spell that I did was a protection spell. And in it, I said, you cannot hurt me, which is a negative, but it's a positive inflection. So don't be afraid of words like not or can't or shouldn't or all of those things, because they can have their own power. When we talk about using positive words, we're saying like, think of that creation piece and what the purpose behind the spell is. It's a little bit different because it was a banishment spell and a protection spell. Don't think that everything has to be a positive all the time. You could say, I am safe instead of you mm -hmm. cannot hurt me. But that might not feel as powerful as not allowing somebody to hurt you. It's all in the intention of what, you know, go back to your purpose. What is the main idea that you're trying to convey? So you've written the spell. 
now what? How do you continue this authenticity into the actual casting of the spell? Right, because writing the spell, I, I think that's part of the magic. You're putting your energy into it, but you have to follow through and actually perform it. <laughs> exactly. Being authentic is about being honest with yourself. And so you want to make sure that you are committed to the outcome of the spell. If you aren't committed, it's less likely to work. So whatever your purpose that you determined, are you really committed to actually having that outcome of that being your reality and making sure that you have that alignment? And for me, I get really self-conscious when I start to cast a spell. I have that fear of looking foolish, of people judging me. It's really important to have some confidence when you're casting your spells to help to get the outcome of the spell to work. For me, I make sure that when I'm casting a spell, I'm completely alone in the house. So there's no risk of somebody catching me or overhearing what I'm doing. It's totally silly and, you know, and my own mental block. And I know that my family members would have no issue with me casting a spell, but it's just something that helps to boost that confidence and to make me be more authentic and myself. I think that's a good way to put it because it's hard to just be authentic all the time, especially if you're like learning how. <laughs> so taking away any sort of block, like you said, that you know yourself and if somebody was home, it'd be hard for you to be really in the spell, committed to it. And so, mm -hmm. you know, taking away that block can be helpful. And I'm the yeah. same way. I, I like to be home alone to do the spells. In order to be authentic when casting a spell, you need to be in, in alignment with your goals. So you should have a very clear idea of what you want to achieve. And if you're not sure what you want, then the spell won't be as, as effective. It really is, it's a meditative practice. It's a embodiment of what you're trying to achieve. You have to be fully in that moment and committed to what you're doing, which is why... It's important to me that nobody overhear me because it's it's vulnerable. You are in a vulnerable space. It's hard to achieve that if you feel like people are watching you. Maybe you're like a, you like being in the spotlight and you crave that need to be like the high priestess of a coven and you want to be in charge and have all eyes on you. If that's the case, great. <laughs> <laughs> then yeah. go for it. Go say it loudly and proudly and like be authentic that way. This is just me. And uh, I think just figuring out ways that you can be more authentic is knowing yourself. And for me, I know that meditation is really hard for me if I have to sit still. So a lot of my spells are around movement, doing like ecstatic dance type stuff, because that helps me to focus my intention and focus on what I want the outcome to be. I need to be constantly <laughs> in motion. So that's part of being authentic too, is just figuring out who you are, what you need, what you enjoy, and making your spells fit that, that person that you are. And it's also important to be really genuine when you cast the spell. You're putting your, like Erica said, you're really vulnerable. You're putting your heart and soul into it. And you're believing with your whole heart that this is what's going to happen. You're casting the spell with clear conviction, with sincerity. Putting that much of yourself into it is going to make that spell much stronger when it manifests. 
you put so much of your own personal power into it, it amplifies it. So I think the key here when it comes to being authentic with your spell work is getting to know who you are, figuring out what you enjoy doing in your witchcraft practice, and creating spells that fit your beliefs, what you believe in, that fit how you like to practice, and that are created around all of that. Now this episode is brought to you by fennel. As usual, Erica is telling us all about the medicinal properties, and then I am going to share the magical properties. So the Latin name for fennel is Foenculum vulgari. Fennel is an herb that you either love it or you hate it. I don't think I've met anybody that's just like, fennel, meh. Like, I could take it or leave it. It's fine. It's whatever. No, it's either people are like, oh, I love fennel. Or they're like, oh, don't, anything with fennel in it. No, get it away from me. And that's because it has a very, very sharp flavor to it. It's got that anise feeling to it, that licorice feeling to it. It's very strong. It does not blend well. You know, if you take a bite of something with fennel in it, you're like, oh, there's fennel. (laughs) I I found it. It's right there. (laughs) But it's a very powerful plant. It is used mostly as a enhancement to digestion and assimilating food within your body so that it can go, the components, the nutrients of the food can be dispersed to where they need to go. So a lot of people will use it as a digestive before eating to increase that appetite. It helps to improve digestion of fatty foods, which is why you'll see it a lot in meat dishes. So you can eat it as a start of the meal, like start the digestive system going. And then also the place that I see it most often is in Indian food restaurants. They'll just have a bowl of fennel out. And the reason for that is both for bad breath, like an after-dinner mint, but also because it helps to relieve feelings of having overeaten. And I don't know about you, when I go to Indian food restaurants, I overeat, especially the one that's here in town. It's a all-you-can-eat buffet. It's very dangerous. It's very good for any sort of digestion assistance. It's also good for clearing phlegm, and it can help relax the bronchi in the lungs to calm a cough. If you have a really dry cough, which we've all seen with COVID is happening, it can be helpful for that to soothe the mucous membranes in and around the respiratory system so that you're not getting this slamming dry feeling and you, you can kind of lubricate that cough. It's also helpful for people who are breastfeeding to increase breast milk production. You can use it as an eye rinse. If you have something going on with your eye, make sure that you've strained it really, really well before you use it as an eye rinse. Um, You don't want any of those fennel seeds to go into your eyeball. That would be very, very painful. Most people will just chew on the fennel seed itself, or you can brew it into a tea or a tincture. If you are using it as a Tincture, usually about 20 to 60 drops in a glass of water three-ish times a day can help with any of those things that I talked about earlier. Some safety considerations is uh, that it can be overstimulating if you use it too much. So if you're finding some sleep disturbances or feeling hyperstimulated, maybe cut back on the funnel a little bit. 
There is some concerns about it being toxic because of the estragolay, but it's not enough to cause any harm. It is generally considered safe and gentle, but they do counterindicate it for pregnancy just because we don't know enough about its toxicity and how it can affect the fetus. Fennel corresponds with the active energy, Mercury and Saturn, Earth and fire, and Virgo and Aquarius. So one use for fennel is for protection, healing, and purification. So it's thought to prevent curses, possession, and any sort of unhelpful energy from entering your space. And one way to use it is to hang it in the windows and doors of your home to you know, ward those things off. You could also plant fennel outside of your home or in pots inside of your home and place those near windows and entryways. Burning the fennel seeds is a way to smoke cleanse with it and to clear that negativity or, you know, unhelpful energy. Alternatively, you can burn the flowers and the stalks for smoke cleansing. Seeds are a little bit easier to find though. So another way to use fennel for magic is for increasing your strength, especially when you are facing hardships or challenges in your life. So it helps to, you know, help you face those things strongly, bravely, and boldly. Add it to a charm bag with tiger's eye or something, some crystal like that. And if you um, smoosh the bag, smooshing is a technical witchcraft word. You can smell the fennel uh, and that, you know, smelling the scent, you could use that as a spell for increasing your strength. Another way to use fennel in magic is it's associated with vitality. And so eating it is one is thought to increase the length of your life. So including it in different recipes, or kitchen witchcraft, or carrying it with you throughout your day, having it nearby, planting it, all of these different things. Chewing it is also thought to give your memory a boost and to help you main- maintain focus. So if you have like a big presentation at work or, or something like that, or at school, chewing the seeds beforehand can give you that boost that you need to proceed with that important presentation. And as an added bonus, it freshens your breath, like Erica said. <laughs> And I don't know about you, but I always feel more confident when I have clean and fresh breath. Even though most of my presenting is done online, I still always brush my teeth before I go on video or record this podcast because it makes me feel more confident. So next week, we will be looking at our life through the lens of the Seven of Swords. And this card is all about dishonesty, stealth, and deception. It's about running away from the truth, avoiding responsibilities, keeping a secret, wanting to be a lone wolf away from the pack, not being willing to face the music, so to speak. Sometimes it can be about manipulation, about lying and cheating, and about deceiving other people. So that will be our lens for the week. If you have a story about the Seven of Swords that you want to share with us, please send us a voicemail to welisten at talkwitchcraft.com. You can find out more about this episode by going to mumblesandthings.com slash blog slash 058. Join us next week when we talk about belonging and memberships. Make sure that you are subscribed so that you can be notified about each new episode. 
And to help other witches find this show, leave us a five-star review wherever you listen to podcasts. So this is actually not a five-star review, but I think it's really great because they love the show so much that they actually left us a one-star review when we took a break before starting things up again. Was loving this podcast. Hope everything is good. Let's see a new episode soon. We're here. I hope you found us again. We're back. I hope you're happy we started it up again. <laughs> you're still enjoying it. All right. So you can also find us on Instagram at Mumbles and Things. And if you have any other tips to add, tell us about it in the Talk Witchcraft Forum in the Mumbles Academy community. And don't forget to share this episode with your witchy friends and followers. Thank you so much for listening. See you next week or or you'll hear us next week. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs> kind of similarly, it's a job. Oh my gosh, Luna. <sighs> what she do? She has her head like pressed up against the window. I put a pillow up against the window so she's like sleeping on me. So cute. <laughs> um, nice. Sorry.